0: What's up, film fans? Welcome into another episode of the Second Day Film Podcast. It's the official podcast of the Second Day Film Club. I'm your host, Brandon Champion, joined today by...
1: Mike Nichols. And Evan Dean.
0: And it is so good to be back talking movies with you fellas. Uh, It is June 13th, 2021. Uh, Already to June, wild. We're already making our way through June here, the the tail end of another wonderful weekend uh, spread across this great country of ours in Michigan, in Texas, and Florida. We're spread out all across the United States. Um, But guys, I'm in a good mood. I went back to the theater today, uh, the newish one in downtown Grand Rapids. Nice, comfy chairs. They deliver the food right right to you. I mean, it was amazing. And movie, it just reminded me how much movie theaters have changed one. But uh, most of all, it was just nice to get back in a the theater, you know, like it, it's been so long with the pandemic. And, uh, you know, I want to see A Quiet Place, too, which we'll be talking about in this episode today. And I know both of you had the same uh, experience just getting back into the theater uh, watching this movie. so uh, And I had at least ha- gone to see Tenant, sort of in one of the lull periods of the pandemic. But I believe it's the first time, Evan, right? You've been to the theater in a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've gotten to see three movies in the theater in a matter of like four weeks because we're starting to get a bunch of releases hit for the summer season. And uh, yeah, there's nothing like it. And I used to give Champ a bunch of shit on the pod about like how he would talk about film going at the theater like an experience because I would always get there like 10 minutes late and stumble into the, the, you know, through the aisle with my popcorn and my goodies that I snuck in. But, you know, he's right to some extent. It really is an experience and, you know, you can't replace it. And I think that, you know, it's, it's a little different. You know, all three of the, the releases I saw were newer releases and the theaters were still pretty empty. That said I did hear that A Quiet Place 2 and Cruella did better than expected at the box office. So, you know, there's hopefully a uh, there's hopefully going to be, you know, more people going to the theaters. I know like in June all of the big theaters are getting together for like this event getting people back to the movies. So, it it was great to be back.
0: Yeah, I mean, I loved it. And my uh, my audience was, there was quite a few people there for a little Sunday matinee. So that was good to see. And I think you're going to be, uh, this is a topic for another day, but you're going to see filmmakers, I think, making movies specifically with movie theaters in mind, if they want to go that direction to sort of uh, make people think that they have to go back to the theater to get the same experience. Uh, but Mike, first time you've been in a while, how was there a crowd at, at your theater or...
2: Yeah, this is the first time for me in over a year. The last time I saw a movie in theater but before the pandemic was December 2019. I saw The Rise of Skywalker. And then this past week, I went to go see A Quiet Place 2. It over a year for not seeing a movie in theater for me. It was really, really special to get to go back. Our theater was uh, mostly full. I would say. Um, we went to Alamo Draft House to go see it and man, Alamo is a great movie theater chain. Like they really celebrate the movies there and they have so much fun, just stuff that they they hand out and they they participate with with, while you're watching the film. They keep it very quiet there, but you can still order drinks and food. They gave us free Quiet Place Two hats because they were just like, Hey, here you go, we have extra ones.
0: Oh, I have Quiet
2: Place Two. You should be wearing it,
0: you should be wearing it, Mike. I just called I'll get it.
2: I'll I'll get it. I'll yeah. put it on.
0: Yeah. Right. My, name, my name is Mike. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, yeah, well it's well, okay. While you're doing that, while you're doing, while you're getting your hat, that's fine. I'm gonna I'm gonna continue yeah. on with the podcast. Uh, if you could No, please... don't worry, don't worry about it, Braden. Don't worry about it, Braden. <laughs> yeah, I golfed with a Braden last week, actually. Um there we go. look See? at it. There it is. That's a nice hat. This is great pod t- podcast nice. material. Nice. Look at my hat. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Mike looks fantastic in his hat. I'm glad you're going to wear it. You need to wear that the rest of the pod. We are going to talk about A Quiet Place a little bit further down the road, uh, but we got a few things to get to before that. If you could check out our Facebook page at Second Day Film Podcasts, give us a follow on, at Second Day Film on Twitter. Uh, you can listen to our old ep- episodes on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. Um, so if you could check those out or if you're just curious and listening maybe to the first uh, uh uh, our review of the first A Quiet place we recorded that back way back in episode seven and you can hear evan dean on that podcast as well as the popcorn correspondent um, so if you just want to prep for this one but mike let's get into it we're gonna jump into we've got three horror films guys I, don't get scared on me here i know we, we're gonna talk about three scary movies that have come out recently uh but first a little levity, a little nostalgia, bring us back to our childhood. Uh, we're going to talk about the Mighty Ducks Game Changers, which uh, was a series that aired on Disney Plus, uh, just wrapped its, I think, 10-episode run uh, a couple weeks ago. Mike and I both watched along with this series. I mean, obviously, uh, it's a kid's show. It's based on the Mighty Ducks uh, trilogy from our youth um, but the plot, general plot summary, after failing to make the cut to join the now powerhouse Mighty Ducks junior hockey team, 12-year-old Evan's mother encourages him to form a new team of underdogs with help from Gordon Bombay, the Ducks' original coach. Uh, this uh, series was created by uh, Josh Goldsmith, Kathy Yuspa, and uh mr josh uh oh geez here it is steve brill that's who it is um so this stars gordon Emilio estevez lauren graham is also the other uh, main protagonist in this and a a whole lot of child actors uh that i haven't really seen before um but but mike this show i mean obviously we watched the mighty ducks growing up it's kind of part of our youth and nostalgia and uh We loved them. I mean, they're not great when it comes to how good actual hockey is, but they're good movies. So uh, what did you think about this series?
2: Uh, It was important to remember while I was watching it that this was made for kids. So me as a 34 year old man is not the prime audience. The writing is not up to the level of my personal growth. It's for kids. So if you, if you keep that in mind when you're going into it, I think you'll have a little bit more fun with it. Um, I thought overall this was a very fun show. It was, it was a fun twist on the duck story where, you know, now the Ducks themselves are kind of the bullies and the bad kids because they're so popular. And now it's uh, all the other kids are trying to form their own team. And I like the fact that it does take the time to, you know, flesh out these characters a little more. And, and the other Mighty Ducks movies, it's it's incredible like how well-paced they are, given each character only gets, like, maybe this many lines to, like, make an impression or to build their character. Uh, now you have, like, a whole TV show where there can be a whole episode about a kid, or they can you know, just have more time to kind of go through character arcs. So I think it was a fun way to kind of bring back the nostalgia of the Mighty Ducks. And they do some – try to uh, – you know jump into some relevant things with kids like being on their phones too much or you know being on like social media and how bullying works through that There, there's light sprinklings of lessons there
0: mm-hmm. uh,
2: which are not overhanded but also uh, realistic enough to be like relevant so i would say the new show is it's fun it keeps to the spirit of the old show and since it's written for kids don't judge it too harsh just enjoy it for what it is And the cameos from the old players is fun. And I hope they do more of that in the next season.
0: Yeah. I mean, you sort of have to like reset yourself right when you're watching this because it's like obviously been a little bit since I've watched the Mighty Ducks movies they're they're cheesy. I mean it's very much for kids like the cheese is piling on early, especially early on I'd say in the show. Uh it's definitely really just sort of uh youthful and juvenile and you just got to kind of reset yourself when you're watching this. But I thought it was interesting when you said about the characters. They do spend a lot of time to sort of develop them more as characters and well-rounded characters because if you think back to the characters in the original trilogy outside of like Conway they're basically all defined by like one defining characteristic they're pretty much one note characters (laughs) for the most part one stereotype (laughs) yes one stereotype you could say um so I do think this show and probably because they had more time with an entire series had more time to sort of flush it out um you know if we just want to talk about things we didn't that I that I didn't like before because there was some stuff that I liked I mean maybe it's because I played hockey my whole life but it's just not good the hockey playing is just bad the in the filming of even the hockey playing could be better like can they get real Mm -hmm. like actually good hockey players to just film from a distance so that we can get you know some better uh filming because like it just wasn't good like I, i feel like the hockey scenes in the original trilogy were better than on this show they felt more uh sort of intense or when you were in there so uh i just didn't love that so if you're you know again made for kids i know but if you're going into this and you're like oh my god i just want to see like i want the hockey to be something on the line and feel as good as they're claiming it is in the show it's a little bit of a letdown when it's bad when it, when you're just watching it so evan you know i mean you've you've seen the mighty ducks obviously what it, what up? but you haven't seen the show but any thoughts yeah,
1: I mean, I, I think that you guys hammered on it. You hit the point, you know, uh, Mighty Ducks, the, the original series, the original trilogy is one of my favorite um, trilogies, one of my favorite series, uh, franchises, whatever you want to call it, growing up. I loved it, but you love it as a kid and you appreciate it as a kid. And I've watched them back nowadays. And it's, you know, it, it's nostalgic. It's amazing. You can quote, you know, so many lines from the films even today. But yeah, you've got, even in the original, you've got good hockey playing, but like players inexplicably diving out of the way. And like, <laughs> it's 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 an interesting mesh between, um, you know, like fun and, and witty, and, you know, but yeah, you're not going to get, if you're looking for like good hockey, you know, realistic hockey, yeah, you didn't get that in the trilogy. And it sounds like you don't, you're not going to get that here. But yeah, like, I mean...
0: It just makes it harder to believe in like a a big turnaround when the team, like when you're watching the show and periodically through the show, they don't really get that much better. And it's like, Oh my God, all of a sudden they're going to go to States and they're going to play States. It just makes it a little harder to buy into is all.
1: Well, and that, that was always, but that's always, was a criticism in the, you know, the first film, they're like horrendous. Uh, Mm. terrible level Minnesota, you know, team. And then they're in the junior Olympics the next year. So, (laughs) you know, there's some, there's some (laughs) conveniences that are taken. um, And I don't want to, I don't want to dwell on
0: I don't want to dwell on that too much. It was just more of an observation. Like we're not expecting to have like miracle level hockey action filming here in a kid show. (laughs) But Mike, another thing I didn't like was that the coach of the ducks, you know, the guy who's theoretically succeeding uh, Gordon Bombay and everything that he had built at some point we don't really see it uh that guy's just such a dick he's like one of the most unlikable (laughs) characters i have ever seen in a show and it's just like i don't know it's like almost too much to be like how did this guy this douche with a long hair hockey asshole become the coach of the ducks like how did this even get to this point like he has no redeeming qualities
2: you you think it's unrealistic to have a hockey coach portrayed as a douchebag?
0: <laughs> no, I don't. But I think that that coach has to at least show like why they're in the position they're in, and he doesn't do that at any single point, like in the entire show. Like it, it's just, I just think it's too heavy handed the way that they they set him up as an antagonist and just needed something else. There were a lot of things I liked about this show, Mike, and they mostly had to do with other things that you talked about. Uh, it was very interesting to make the Muddy Ducks a villain. I think uh, that allowed them to do a lot of stuff with the Mighty Ducks formula. Uh, This movie or this trilogy, you can tell is very much aware of the original trilogy Uh, with sort of like Uh these little quips and jokes they make. Like, I love the end when they're like... uh, it sort of makes fun of the seriousness of the original trilogy, you know, like when he's <laughs> when Bombay or, or maybe it's Lauren Graham's character is like, "We'll meet you at dawn at the Ice Palace," and he's like, "Dawn? The co- what is this a duel? <laughs> like they're just like, they're, you know, they're like they're like talking about how they used to quack." So I just think that the sort of uh, the self awareness of the show uh was was in, was fun because it was sort of like an updating of the Muddy Ducks formula.
2: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's no, it's no Cobra Kai, but it's, it's pretty good. It's yeah. pretty enjoyable.
0: Yeah. There's good heartfelt moments, that's... especially down the stretch. I think, you know, yeah. uh, I it,
2: give it a B pl- I give it a B plus. That's what I give it.
0: Okay. I'm at a seven out of 10. Um, and that's, I was actually lower until they got to sort of like the last three uh, episodes where I thought that, you know, the kids talking about how they've already won. And, um, you know, it was kind of see the, the, the sort of, um, the stuff about camaraderie that sports builds and how self-confidence can build sports. I think that goes overlooked sometimes. Um, And just to see like the things, the benefits of sports, uh, other than playing the actual game, that was a good message. Um, And uh, they come out and they, you know, they do some cool stuff at the end. I don't want to give it away for you, Dino, but you start to get those moments where like in the original trilogy, those goosebumps moments, right. When you're like, yes, yes. The ducks are arriving in that incredible score kicks in fantastic yes. store uh and yes. and so like i think the last three episodes of the show really rounds into form you get those bombay moments you get those team build like all the same chords that they were striking the original trilogy so it finished strong i thought down the stretch solid updating uh, of the original source material um and again i think the biggest thing mike like you said is uh you need to watch it through child's eyes because all the jokes aren't going to land if you if you watch it like an adult so uh yeah, yeah. i'm glad that we're going to have another generation experience exposed to the to the mighty ducks maybe this will you know maybe this is the first time they've heard of them and kids will go back and seek out the movies now or families so i think it was a good idea by disney to, to give us a little update here gordon bombay a little underutilized i thought what about you wanted to say that
2: yeah i mean he's kind of more of a guide to uh the main the main coach now the mom uh that's fine uh, but yeah, like, I mean, it's a new generation. So I guess if him being the mentor in the background is, is what they want to do with it, that that, that works for what they were trying. Sure.
0: So that's uh, Mighty Ducks Game Changers. You can check it out on Disney+. Plus. All right, let's bring the mood down. That was way too cheerful. We can't be sitting here talking about kids' shows all night, you know. Like, uh, I don't think our main demographic is like nine to thirteen year olds. So, uh, we should probably talk about some uh, grown-up movies, as they like to call it. Uh, And speaking of grown-up movies. (laughs) Uh let's talk about Saw <laughs> the, the old transition. The Mighty Ducks to Saw transition. There's not really any way you can do that. Uh but Evan is obsessed with Saw and he's gonna tell us all about it now because apparently there's a new movie coming out that's not or that came out that isn't even called Saw.
1: Yeah, it's called uh Spiral from the Book of Saw, which is ridiculous. It sounds like they're pulling something from like a biblical era but um yeah so spiral it was originally slated to be released uh last year same same time period um and then the pandemic hit so they're a year behind but um this is actually directed by darren lynn bousman who i believe did like films two through four in the original saw franchise and um the description is a criminal mastermind unleashes a twisted form of justice in spiral, the terrifying new chapter from the book of Saw. And this is uh, this is st- actually got some big names, which has uh, not been the case um, for the original franchise. How Crip disrespectful rock
0: to Danny Glover
1: <laughs> <laughs> or uh, or the uh, oh gosh, Carrie Elwes. Um,
0: <laughs> There's
1: not a, a couple of names. Mike's- <laughs> yeah, he has. But but anyway, so this has Chris Rock as Detective Zeke Banks, Samuel L. Jackson as his dad, Marcus Banks, um, Max Minga, Minghella as Detective William Shank, Marisol Nichols as Cap- Captain Angie Garza, so on and so forth. And before I get into this movie, I just do need to establish, because Mike's not been on for our Saw conversations, I'm a massive fan of the Saw franchise. That said, it does not mean that it's a good, that these are good films. Sometimes you can be (laughs) So- (laughs) Wow. So listen- What a clarification. Well, sometimes, uh, you know, your fanhood uh, for something can be a a, a case of circumstance. So the first film came out, I was a teenager. I went to Cadillac Five with my dad and sister at like a 10-30 showing. It blew my mind. And I was terrified, I thought it was ingenious, the twist was just bonkers, and I loved it. The second one came out, totally different in terms of the story, loved it. And then eventually, I went to college and at CMU, and um, every year, um, from freshman year through senior year, I would drag the whole crew at Thursday night, at midnight on the opening night showing, to the newest Saw movie. And it was incredible. The theater was just packed with college kids. One year, one of my buddies snuck a 12 pack into like a Carhartt jacket. He'd cut a hole in the side and like drank 12 beers during the movie, but it became an experience. And we all went every year and it was a ton of fun. That said, as I got to college and the, the series started to deteriorate, you know, pretty much everything from three, four on is rough. And then you've got seven in the original. And then you've got the reboot Jigsaw, which came out in 2017, and now this. So there's nine movies. So that's kind of my experience. I love the franchise while admitting that the later films have really, um, really been poor. So I just want to just establish that. So, Mike, what's your experience with Saw? How many have you seen? Do you have any thoughts about Saw? I already know Champ, you know, doesn't like him as much. But what do you think?
2: I do not like horror movies. I have seen zero Saw movies. And, that and you haven't is seen the first I one? I never watched any wow. of the horror movies, oh. man. I'm not okay. into them. I I don't even necessarily think they're that enjoyable films, to be honest. It's a genre that is not to my taste. That's, That's fine that That's other people fine. enjoy That's it. That's fair. But, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Saw
0: is it's like... But, I'm just yeah. saying not, not being seen the first one is it's kind of egregious because that one is considered like a landmark horror film, honestly.
1: So I would say
0: at least watch the first one because it is kind of, we make fun of Evan for not having seen Lord of the Rings. We make fun of him for not having seen a lot of landmark films, Saving private Ryan. So I'm not going to say it's the same type of landmark, but within the horror genre, it is kind of a landmark film. So uh, I would say you have to at least watch the first one, even if it's not your cup of tea.
1: Yeah, and and it, commercially, they're, they're they've been a huge success. And like I said, had had they had these films come along now, and the first one dropped now, I think I'd still be impressed. But would I have it loved it and watching them? You know, it was a teenage through college years thing mostly. So anyway, what about going Spiral, into this? Does one, Chris
0: Rock survive the or save the? Yeah, series?
1: I'm get, get getting to that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, here to talk about the the actual ninth film. Um, first off, I'll, I'll go with what I liked. Um, you know, I wouldn't say these are like amazing performances from Chris Rock or Samuel L. Jackson, but compared to what kind of acting you're normally getting and saw, um, you know, this is better. (laughs) Uh, So there's that Chris Rock brings a lot of levity and some comedy, um, some lightheartedness to the role, which. It's tough to fit that into a Saw movie, you know, because the tone of the film is, is usually really, really dark. But this one manages some humor and, you know, it's good, some good spots. Um, and there was kind of the hip hop vibe through Chris Rock. There was some good music. There was some, some different tones. It just felt a little bit different. And so that was all fine and dandy. And the idea with this one is now there's a new killer who is kind of acting as Jigsaw. And he, he now he's targeting cops and specifically crooked cops. And um, beyond what I just said that I liked, there's not anything. My biggest issue with this film is there was nothing really new brought to the table. I really wanted them to take this out as an opportunity to just do something different, and they didn't do that. You know, you still had the, just the disgusting gross traps which is part of why people go it's kind of this sick audience enjoyment you know but now that i'm older i'm like i went with my wife and i was like i used to get like be entertained by these traps now it's just like oh like it's gross it's not
0: no purpose
1: yeah well it's definitely you know the originals even it's like a midnight movie you know it's like you go with your friends at midnight on halloween and and now it's like oh this is like not even enjoyable watching these people suffer these growths, deaths. And, you know, there, there was an opportunity here. And if you, you wouldn't notice this throughout Saw because it's not the focus, but there's like social themes in some of the films. They've touched on like development, healthcare. And in this one, you know, you had an opportunity. You're talking about crooked cops and bad policing. And there was almost an opportunity there to do something different, to expand on the social themes. And they just didn't dive into that. And so you you know it didn't bring anything new to the table and as for the killer you know you expect at least some awesome twist in every saw movie that's what they're known for the killer you I literally predicted it I told my wife like 15 minutes into the movie I said boom there's your killer and I was right and so it just I don't know it was just really a letdown I was hoping that we were going to get something way different or something you know, newer, and we didn't get that. And, you know, for me, I ended up giving it a five out of 10, which I don't usually dip too far below five. So that's pretty bad for me. I just think, guys, it was an opportunity to really try something different, and they didn't. And maybe they wanted to make sure that, you know, it appeased the fans and was commercially successful and went by the saw formula, and it did. But at this point, nine movies in, like, we don't need another moneymaker. We need something new. And That's yeah. where it let
0: me down yeah, and that was that was the main thing that turned me off to the saw series. It we went from this imaginative uh sort of- si- crazy yeah. scary, scary situation, but you at least felt like the bad things that were happening were happening for a reason, and now I feel like the saw franchise has just evolved into shock value, just trying to get people to go yeah. there and, and get shocked and freaked out, and it's just sort of like feels like masochism at this point, so i don't know if I can really yeah. get into that yeah no, it's just not not. Something that I'm interested in
1: watching. No, it's it's not worth seeing. I mean, if, I'm a huge Saw fan, so I'll always go and see them just to, to give it another chance. But the last thing I'll say too is Saw, the original, they were able to kind of use the later films to explain how Jigsaw was able to do all this crazy shit and create all these crazy traps. And they kind of explained it after it was done. And in this one, you've got this new villain and there's absolutely no way he could achieve what he's achieving in this film. And so that's just another thing. So, yeah, you know, Mike, definitely, you know, you'd have too much catching up to do. But I'd say to you, champ, it's it's a a skip it for you.
0: All right, cool. Well, let's move on to something more uh, happy than, you know, uh, crazy torture traps. Let's move on to uh, demonic possession. How about that? huh? Just slide into another horror category, Uh, (laughs) another uh, treasure trove of of horror film tropes, uh, you could say uh it's the conjuring the devil made me do it is the subtitle this movie just came out michael chavez i'm gonna go with is uh is the director of this one patrick wilson and vera formiga reprise their roles as the demonologists uh ed and lorraine warren uh there's been a lot of movies in the conjuring universe annabelle uh evan i think we reviewed the nun i don't know if mike was on uh this pod yet when we reviewed that but we reviewed that one um and i think there's the curse of lore other one um but this is in a direct sequel to the first two conjuring so the conjuring uh and the conjuring 2 which came out in 2013 and 2016 so people have been waiting a while for this one it is based on a real life case uh apparently i think mike and i saw this it's on hbo max right now um, Mike says he's not a horror film fan, so I'm not sure he was thrilled that he had to watch <laughs> this one. Um, but you know, I, I didn't really have plans to watch it, but then I saw it was streaming for a limited time. I'm, I was looking for a movie to watch. I'm like, eh, the first two conjurings were pretty good. I'll throw that up there. Um, and I watched it. I thought it was pretty good actually, uh, at least in parts that particularly the first scene of this movie uh, is the is the initial uh, demonic possession um, I think it's one of the better exorcism scenes I've seen in a movie I mean this this has become a common trope in horror films you know people getting possessed by demons but the way that they uh, use special effects to, to show what was happening to this kid uh, I thought it was intense Mike, I don't know if you noticed, there was, uh, I think, a clear callback shot to the original Exorcist when the father arrives and it's him getting out of the car and the house is there. I think that was a very deliberate callback to the original Exorcist. Um, So I I thought this movie started very strong. What did you think?
2: Listen, um, I'm (laughs) not the person you want to be reviewing these kind of movies because I personally just don't care for this genre. I watched this film today under duress because this podcast required me to do so. So I watched it. Well, well, it. hold on. You said
0: your girlfriend. One of day. the first
2: movies. I I'd like to just leave her out of the blame for this. If, if that's all right <laughs> oh, with Just you. blame
0: us. Okay, I see. On That's fine, Mike. That's fine. no.
2: So okay. So I've never people. I'm sorry. I've never seen the first one. I never saw the second one. I came to this movie very blind and very un uh, am thrilled with the idea of having to watch it. Having said that, uh, yeah, let me do Evan's clarification.
0: <laughs> Evan, <laughs> yeah. the,
2: the, Evan's clarifying. I love it, but it's absolute garbage. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I was not thrilled to watch this movie. I did so. It was a movie.
0: Okay, hey, what's and your grade? And then I'll just take it from there. <laughs>
2: uh, I'll give it a C. <laughs> All
0: right. I mean, I will let it you talk, but you've got nothing. You've got nothing you want to say, so I, I'll just... Okay, it.
2: I'll say this. This <laughs> this story is based on real incidents that happened, and I, I'm not sure how wise it is to take, like, you know, a real crime in which someone was really murdered and, you know, these people's stories of, you know, oh, there were demons and stuff, like, and then turn it into this really hyper-fantastical movie i mean there was a real victim murdered like and i i don't know like that guy's family is gonna watch this movie it's like hey the guy who killed our son really it was all this demonic fantasy like fantastical you know crazy stuff and like i don't know i don't know if this is the right way to handle these kind of real life stories. hold on though
0: i i think that you know I, i normally i would agree with you we don't want to be exploiting things we don't like when things are exploited but things get exploited for movies all the time let's be real but i do think that this is sort of a little bit uh i think it's okay i mean this is a real case the trial of arnie cheyenne johnson uh and it's known as the devil made me do it case it was the first time demonic possession was actually entered into a plea in a real courtroom so i think that this movie can serve as a little bit of a, a history lesson i mean we don't know obviously when you're dealing with stuff like this you're going to deal with skepticism you're going to deal with stuff like this he's still got a manslaughter charge so this plea didn't work but you know ed and lorraine warren were called in because actual lawyers were trying to pass this as a as a defle- the defense plea in the court of law um so i mean i i get what you're saying mike and i respect that opinion i just i think that maybe this one Um, you know, it's a real-life thing that happened, So they're maybe just dramatizing it a little bit. Things that I really liked about this movie, and there's things that I didn't like too. I thought it was too long. I thought it sort of wilted down the stretch. Like I said, I think the strongest uh, strongest parts of the film were in the first 20 minutes in that first exorcism. Uh, But the directors, they do a lot of good stuff with the camera, a lot of zoom-ins, a lot of quick cuts. Um, And what I like about these Conjuring movies is... I think all three of them operate in a a field where there's a a sense of realism. I mean, obviously they're dealing with, you know, the occult and, and, you know, stuff like this, but they're trying to, uh, in other words, they're focused on trying to explain how the supernatural could conceivably occur in the real world. Right. There's like the stuff where there's, there's totems that were placed in this and that's why the curse is happening. And I know we're dealing with stuff that is hard to believe, but I think that they're very much looking at Ed and Lorraine Warren as characters and how like they're basically have based their lives. on trying to explain the unexplainable. So I think the movie is sort of grounded in a way more so than other horror films.
2: Yeah. But what is it grounded in? Like, do you, do you yeah. actually believe all that stuff happened? Cause these people do not have a very good reputation for, you know, being respected as, as, You know, they they were what self professed demonologists and stuff. I mean,
0: I don't believe, I don't know what to believe when it comes to this stuff. I mean, that we're getting into a much deeper conversation when we do that. I mean, because you're talking about Mm -hmm. supernatural, spiritual, the uh, you know, heaven and hell. I mean, demons on earth, you're getting to a lot of stuff when you start having that conversation. Do I believe it happened exactly how the movie portrayed it? Of course not. But we are talking about a movie here. So I, I just think that the film is at least approaching horror from an interesting angle because it's, it's trying to explain how something like this could have, you know, how they, how they could have explained this this way. That doesn't mean it's right. It could be all bullshit. It likely is bullshit. But I just think the way I just think it's a new, interesting way to sort of approach a horror film instead of just having all these unnecessary jump scares. So I think there's some solid visuals. I think it's a comp- competently made horror film. The one guy, mm-hmm. the, the creepy guy, the 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 guy who like studied the occult, like twice yeah. in the movie he says follow me i want you i want to show you something i'm like you can only do that once buddy like creepy guy with satanic shit in your basement you can't tell people to follow you and let me show you something twice you know something's messed up when he tries to get down near down there a second time so (laughs) uh i just thought that was pretty amusing but uh evan you like this stuff i assume you want to watch this movie
1: um yeah you know i think that um, it should be noted i mean we did tr- just do a saw to conjuring transition so the original saw was directed by james wan that like on a no budget and that kick-started his career and then he went on to direct the first two conjuring films so saw actually um you know the cr- that franchise launched the conjuring franchise in a roundabout way
0: yeah um, he, he's involved with this one too actually i think I yeah. It, yeah.
1: So, you no, know, I, I, remember seeing the first two and they're well, he done wrote it. He wrote films. the story.
0: He wrote it. So,
1: okay. They're they're well done horror films in terms of horror films. I remember, I think I gave the first one a seven. I don't, it doesn't look like I rated the second one, but you know, I, I liked them. I will say, you know, if you, if, I don't know if you guys have seen the exorcism of Emily Rose. I love that movie. And that actually is a very thought provoking Con- conversation sparking film about what you believe and whether any of this is real. And that hit it on the head. I don't know if this movie dove into that as much, but the exorcism of Emily Rose, even if you don't like horror, the the conversation surrounding demonic possessions and whether or not that kind of thing is real or not, I think that can be a really interesting movie. Um, you know, Off of that, I don't. Did you have a lot of those discussions, or was it more just a like a scary? I I think
0: they're trying to ask that question. I mean, I think they're trying to sort of explain to like how you know people could think this would happen. I mean. Again, you, you want to, it goes back to how much you want to buy into, it goes back to how much the individual individual person is going to buy into this sort of stuff mm-hmm. how much you believe yeah. Ed and Lorraine Warren. But I mean, they've got obviously gotten very famous yeah. off this sort of stuff. So I understand how Mike could feel. You know, I know there's other people out there like, oh, they're just getting, they're just getting more and more yeah. rich and notoriety off this kid's unfortunate death. Well, so, but it was a real case and it's known as the devil made me do it case. So uh, I think it's fair game when it's, an actual record of history like that, so yeah. So. Well, before
1: before you guys give your ratings, um, I don't you don't think you gave yours yet, Champ Mike. Just quickly, what's your overall? What's your issue with horror films? It sounds like you don't like the genre at all. I mean, I am
2: someone who like is a very imaginative like person. So if I see something in a movie, it's very likely I might have a dream about it. Or so like yeah. if I see If I watch scary, very dark, very like, you know, nightmarish films, it's possible they might give me nightmares, but overall, like just from the little horror I have seen, none of it's ever impressed me. It just kind of feels like, like, like a a really scary superhero movie where the powers are less like defined. Mm. Um, You know, there's always inconsistency of, Oh, like, if this character is like a demon, then, you know, why can't it just come and grab you right now? Or like, for example when in this film they're trying to chase this occultist around this underground layer and she can kind of do all these things where suddenly jump forward and spook someone or she can like suddenly make them think something else and then turn up behind someone and slit their throat and it's like what are the powers here like can you yeah. can you teleport how often why don't you just teleport to each of these people and just cut their throat sheets time why are we doing this to these kids and these other people like what is the goal like but isn't there, there two different things?
0: I... Isn't there two different things? Isn't there the occultist and then the actual demon? The occultist yeah, isn't we... the one who's actually infecting the kid. She's just the one making it happen, allegedly. So I think she's just a regular person who can kind of move around, but she's like working with this demon, and that's the one who has the supernatural abilities. So yeah. it, again, yeah. it's I, trying I, to explain think... things that really can't well... be explained. <laughs>
1: so I do think horror films are best seen in a packed house on a Friday night. Like it's the experience. It's the emotion. Maybe. It's yeah. the, maybe, maybe you, that's you know, it, it is. That's that is, it's totally, man. That's why, that's why I enjoyed saw as much as I did is. Cause you'd go to the, I mean, they were terrible movies, but they were an experience yeah. once you got further along. And, and last I'll say, you know, if you give a couple of films, a try, like the original Halloween, John Carpenter's in 79 legendary film, have seen, I have seen that movie. Have you seen The Shining? Uh which one's that? Oh,
2: with Nicole Kidman?
0: No, no, no. no. The, Stanley Kubrick <laughs> The Shining is Jack with Jack. Anderson.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, I, I've seen the Okay, I've seen The Shining, I've seen The Sixth Sense, I've seen um, Halloween. Uh Halloween, I've seen Friday the 13th.
1: And oh, Friday and thought, the 13th is terrible, but I saw, yeah. I
2: saw the one with whatever the one with Nicole Kidman was. The the others, the I others. Saw others yeah, yeah, okay. I all saw right. the one where there's a mirror. Anyway, oh, all all right,
0: let's let's steer this uh, conversation back uh, <laughs> towards uh, the the topic at hand, not an entire yeah, filmography sorry. of his of horror films. Uh, we know Evan loves them, Mike hates them. Let's wrap this conversation up and get to a movie that we've all seen. Uh, I I think uh, I think this was a competently made film. I liked also lastly. They played like the audio or at least the alleged audio of the actual exorcism over the credits, did you stick around long enough for that, Mike uh, so that was creepy, yeah Very okay, creepy.
2: that was yeah, yeah, that was actually interesting, that yeah. was creepy that made me want to like go YouTube it and see what else it was i here Evan, maybe I can explain it this way i don 't particularly care for the horror genre because to me it 's the same reasons i don't particularly care for the country music genre, okay I feel that. It's just repetitive formulaic content that takes itself way too seriously, and the plots are only driven by white people making bad
1: decisions. Yeah. Well, clearly you've never seen us. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's no, true. Yeah. Get out. That's fair. I mean, that's fair. No, that's fair. The, the last that's thing true. I'll say. First off, yeah, Saw, but... <laughs> Saw was very original, so you should watch Saw. But the last thing I will say to Mike's point, just a, a little bit. As I said with the soft franchise, I do find myself not enjoying horror movies as much as I used to. I will concede that it was something when I was a teenager and in college, loved them. So I will say that I can see where Mike's coming
2: from. And, also, and I admit I'm I'm getting that way with superhero movies too. Like as I get older, I I am getting less interested in them because they yeah, are being repetitive. You're, yeah, your
1: tastes change. Yeah,
0: and yeah, also to sure. Mike's point, there are a lot. And I mean a lot of bad horror movies. So the hit rate of the hit rate of good horror movies is probably the least percentage, like within a genre, you know, like, at least I would say, like you got most horror movies suck. So when you do get a good one, I think it's worth talking about. I think this one was just meh. I think the first Conjuring is very good though. So I would definitely recommend that. And let's talk about another, uh, sorry, you got something else?
2: I was just going to say, I'm not saying there, there are horror movies I have liked and there are country songs I like. But overall, those are just genres of art that are not to my taste. Anyone else is free to like them <laughs> and make them and make all the money and joy off them you want. That's that's fine. Fair. Champ,
0: what did you rate yes. this? Six out many. of ten. That's fine. Six okay. out of ten. I said it. Okay. Um, yeah. So let's move on to, uh, you know, I'm just going to say it right off the top. To uh, Speaking of the hit rate of horror movies, I think we've got one here with a quiet place too. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this movie, man, uh, directed by John Krasinski. Uh, it's, Krasinski's in the film along with his real life wife, Emily Blunt. We've also got uh, Cillian Murphy, uh, uh, Noel Jupe, and Millicent Simmons reprise their roles as the two kids, uh, Regan and Marcus. And then Jimon uh, Hansu also shows up in this movie, which was an unexpected uh, of Blood Diamond fame, uh, showed up for briefly uh, in this movie as well. This is the sequel to uh, the film A Quiet Place, uh, which we reviewed on this pod in the very early days of, its, of this podcast, yeah. episode seven. Uh, following the events at home, the Abbott family now face the terrors of the outside world forced to venture into the unknown. They realize the creatures that hunt by sound are not the only threats lurking beyond the sand path. As I said, Krasinski himself directed this. He's also in the opening scene of this movie. Uh, guys, this movie, man, I liked it quite a bit. I, I think we can kind of maybe talk about this a little bit, uh, chronologically. I mean, I'll just start, there's going to be spoilers here. So if you haven't seen the movie, uh, get out of here. And come back when you have seen it. But uh, I like the movie called A Quiet Place Part 2. It's not called A Quiet Place 2. And I think that that's very uh, apt. Because I think if you know if you popped this in after A Quiet Place, the first one, it could very much feel just like a big long movie instead of a sequel. So yes, it is a sequel. But really, this is the continuation of the story we started in A Quiet Place 1. And we can talk about maybe if there'll be future 2. So I thought it was a very apt film uh, title. It was fun to jump right back into it, except we don't jump right back into it. We open up back to day one when the whole shit hit the fan, when the creatures landed. And I thought, uh, uh, Mike, I'll toss to you. I thought the opening sequence, uh, the opening sort of 20 minutes when we flash back to the start of this was pretty awesome way to start this movie.
2: Yeah, uh, I I love this movie personally, and I, I know these are considered horror. To me, these are almost more sci-fi suspense thrillers uh, than I would really classify them as horror. But yeah, like I love how there's a normal life nostalgia to that opening. And I think like since we're all watching this as, as we're starting to hopefully come to the final stages of the pandemic, like... It's nice to have a movie where it's like, oh, remember when life was normal before, all, like, this terrible thing that we're all experiencing happened? That really hit home, watching that in the theater. And especially that being the first movie I was seeing in a in-person theater again since the pandemic started. Yeah, that opening uh, scene is great. The way they do the noises, too, in this is incredible. The sound was, like, amped up in this movie. It's just Everything's loud when, when a car hits something or when an alien screeches, it's just like so clicking. incredibly effective. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that opening sequence was phenomenal. That was yeah. really, really well done.
0: It kind of reminded me of uh the war of the worlds movie (laughs) remember that with tom cruise when the aliens first arrive and they attack and they're running through the city and it's and it's nuts uh evan i'll to you in a sec but mike brought up the pandemic and watching this in the pandemic like and i had a note about that as well uh but it was slightly different you were talking about you know how it, it was like getting a glimpse of normalcy when i was watching this like this was a movie made during the pandemic. It was a movie delayed by the pandemic and just watching like how people living in this world have sort of had to like adapt their lifestyles and change their habits and deal with a new norm. So to speak, uh, it was just interesting because obviously we're doing the same thing or we've been doing the same thing. Now they're dealing with man eating monsters. The monster in our reality is COVID, but just the fact that we had, we, we, of what had to change our lives to to adapt to a situation i was thinking about that the whole time i was watching this movie and that's sort of just like a meta thing um but it it was an interesting thought anyways but evan i mean uh sorry real
2: quick fun real quick fun fact about the opening scene um i i definitely got war of the world's vibes with it but john krasinski actually said in an interview he based that scene off of jaws when the shark first hits the beaches and everyone's screaming and trying to run out of the water that was the energy and and the scene in his head that he was thinking of as he was Mm -hmm. trying to direct it. So props to Krasinski for his direction, especially in that scene. Um, He did a great job with this movie.
0: It's that fear of the unknown Mm -hmm. and it really lingers out there for a while. We had that in the first one. Um, Obviously we know what they look like in this one, but that was a good way sort of like to reset us back to, okay, this is what it was like at the start. So we're getting a more comprehensive look at this family's life. But Evan, what were some of your initial thoughts? Well, uh, it should be noted
1: that this is only being released in theaters uh, originally. And you even got like a little thanks for coming to the theater from John Krasinski before oh, the, li- the opening. Uh,
0: I like that. that before was the nice opening touch.
1: scene. Yeah, you, maybe you'll see that. I mean, the, there was a lot of, like I said, there were promotions before even that in my theater that was like people thanking you for coming back to the theater. Um, so there, there's definitely a cool little touch in that. Um And and that's what The Quiet Place, you know, one and two are all about. These are films that are based on sound. And John Krasinski in the first one, and again, in this one, does such a great job of using sound to build suspense, using sound to surprise, um, making us think about, um, you know, things we don't think about. We take for granted every day when it comes to sound. I mean, you've got not only do you have um, a deaf character, but you also just are reminded of every little thing that makes noise. And so um, I thought he did a fantastic job in the original film. I was blown away. It was incredible. Uh, This one, I really liked the opening sequence, the first 15 minutes, and I really liked the last half hour. I thought those parts of the film in particular were really strong. And I thought it was a really well-made movie. I think Krasinski's got a good eye. There were some beautiful shots peppered in. And again, he does an excellent job creating suspense and drama uh, and heightening your emotions and
0: building your nerves through sound. Dude, it's so intense. All that said. It's so intense. Well, all that you, said, are you going to talk about, are you moving on or I want to talk about your... Yeah, you can go
1: ahead and add to it. I mean, he, he did such a good job in that in the first one that I kind of had the bar raised high. So well, he delivered in those those ways again, but it was it wasn't in his new feeling as it was in the first one, and that I was a challenge. There was some here.
0: though, because you had like, and I was just gonna talk about that suspense building because it's this whole movie, man, is just littered with some incredible sequences. I mean, you get that one where it's basically like a triple sequence is going on, and it is so well edited, like the one when yeah uh, the sun yeah, is running out of boxes. Hour. Yeah, when he's the one when the sun's running out of oxygen and she's fighting the monster mm-hmm. with the oxygen tanks and they're dealing with the bad guys on the dock and they're cutting them all together. And just the way that all three build and crescendo at the same time is just like like the suspense. You're ready to pop watching it in that theater, right? You're just sitting there
1: yeah, yeah. biting your
0: yeah. nails. I mean, I know I was, I've got a problem, but I was sitting there like just literally freaking out waiting for this thing to pop.
1: Yeah,
2: Yeah. his transitions are excellent, especially in those moments of crisis and the way each shot leads into the other shot. I think so many times when directors do that, they just film all these scenes and then they leave them in the editing room. to okay, cut them all together. The the way the cameras moved each time was so elegant and how it was actually planning to have all these stories be told Mm -hmm. simultaneously, especially with the lead ins to each other. It was yes. really, really well done. It wasn't I'm, lazy at all. It was
0: really I'm glad sad. you noticed that, too, because I wrote that down, too, where, like, you would have uh, Cillian Murphy's character, like, have to deal with the flames, and then you would see yeah. flames on Emily Blunt a second later, right. or, like, one of them would open yes. a door, and then the other one was opening the door, or they'd put, yeah. uh, they would put uh, – there was one where she put oxygen on her mouth, and then the next shot was Cillian Murphy coming up from the lake to breathe. So it was yep, just like, mm-hmm. it was just like, Brilliant. he kept doing that nonstop. And I definitely, I'm glad you picked up on that too. Cause I did too. And I'm just like, Krasinski, man, this guy, little Jim Helpert, we knew he could pull a prank. <laughs> we didn't know that he could direct the shit out of a movie.
1: Yeah. Good, good job on you, John. Well done. <laughs> yeah. He, you know, he, he, you're right. He really sequences scenes together well and, um, you know, towards the end there, when you basically end up having two scenes that he's sequencing together with the brother and sister, obviously that's incredible. Yes. Um, and to your point, um, the three scenes where, where you have um, Emily Blunt's character, the boy, and then, yeah, Silly and Murphy, it, it was great. And, and that's, but that's why I said, I think the first 15 minutes I loved and the last half hour I loved, I thought it was amazing. Mm-hmm. But I will say there was a little bit of a, I don't know, there was a little part in the middle of the film where I was kind of like waiting for, for something new or something really to um, blow my mind. And then we did get it towards the end. The end, like I said, but I, there was a little bit of a period there where I don't know that I was as engaged and tense Whereas in the first film, it was like start to finish. You are like sitting on, you know, pins and needles, biting your nails. And this one, for me, there was a little bit of a lull point in the middle. That was really my only criticism, but I couldn't help but compare it to the first film. And I was like, you know, I think I liked the first film a little bit more.
0: I think a lot of that is is we're like we're sort of waiting in the middle to see like because we're kind of questioning Emmett's loyalty the whole time, right? Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. Cillian Murphy's character. So I think some of that spot in the middle is when they're kind of going back and forth, like when they're at the train station and we think he's abandoned her, and they're trying to go back and forth. Like, is he actually a good guy or a bad guy? And it it does meander a little bit there. I think it keeps us on our toes a little bit too long. But I thought he was a solid addition to the story, uh, considering his redemption arc. One thing that we – I listened to our pod before this, Evan, um, and – uh, or, sorry, our, our review of the first film, which was a long time ago, um, and yeah. one thing we talked about in that movie was the World Building and how fantastic it was yeah, just, uh, you yeah. Know, just the these things like the sand on the trail or the chips being yep. left on the shelf of the store because they make too much noise <laughs> for anyone to actually yeah. eat and and we get We get more of that in this it's it, like if, it, just everywhere like there 's the shot when uh, we see all like the high heels laying on the porch. Because nobody wants high heels because one, they're <laughs> noisy and two, you can't run in them. We see like, yeah. uh, like body suits hanging in the, in the factory, and the foundry, almost like they're like uh, things to try and confuse the creatures because they're all just hanging there and maybe they'll think they're like humans. You know, we see, uh, you know, door handles to keep things open. The little baby oxygen mocks they, or box they make. The bad guys who attack <laughs> them at the, at the docks don't say anything. And the fact that they have, like, a string of bells as a weapon, because that's basically a death sentence in this world. Like, just all these little yeah. touches that he puts in to enhance the world that we're watching this movie in just makes it feel very authentic and lived in. And it, and it really, that's another thing that just helps set the mood.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I thought there was more of that in the first one but I, I you're right there's some some good touches here, but you, you, you do, like I do think there's an inherent challenge when you're building a sequel where you know the first film you'd established this totally different world, and now it's already established, and I do think there's he's you kind of have that working against you as a filmmaker because some of those things that the way in which they created these defenses for themselves. There was some of that here, but you really noticed it in the first one. And I'm just nitpicking, but I'm just, you know, I, I, I think that there was, I noticed a little bit more of that. I will say, did you guys notice this plot, what I thought was a plot hole? Why would the, the the creepy, bad, like, boat dudes not have ever gotten on a boat to go to the island?
0: I think they're supposed to be, like, feral and, like, just basically, like, they've lost all coherence of actual being a human other than they're just marauding crazy yeah, but, people. But no, that makes and sense. And you had an alien that made it to the damn <laughs> yeah, island. Like, that's true. Like, so, why wouldn't you? I,
1: I just couldn't get that, that kind of sh- I was like, why are they still living here on the dock?
0: That's true. I don't that, know. That, that just, is a little just bit Just a weird. small thing. So one thing you said on the last pod, uh, when I listened to it was that you were talking about how Sam did not, Sam, the popcorn correspondent did not like the first one he's talking about. He wanted to know more about the monsters. He wanted to know about how things started. We got those answers in this film. And one thing you said on the first one was that you thought that if we had got more information in the first one, it would have hurt the film because that sense of the unknown was sort of like Mm -hmm. part of what was making this film effective. Uh, I mean, did that take away from you at all, knowing that they were just aliens? You crashed. No, no, not really.
1: I, I think that's almost kind of. I think I, I think that that was something that when you get a sequel, you're almost expecting a little bit more of an explanation, mm-hmm. and that I didn't take issue with that at all. Um, I just I kind of figured that was something that they were going to establish. I think I, I figured you were going to see them more, and we did right off the gate. If I remember, the first one. And that was probably what I was talking about. You don't really see them much until no, we get later thrown in the film. right
0: into the story. Yeah, yeah, and,
1: that, and that's okay because we've already uh, seen what they look like in the first one. We learn about their weaknesses in the first one, but be- kind of becomes revealed. So it's a different challenge for the director, Mike. I, I do want to ask you because I, I I know I'm kind of comparing the first two, but did you have a preference? Um, you know, between these two films, did you like them both equally a lot? I felt that the
2: uh, the first one was so original and yeah. just so so well done in terms of its world building that yeah. it, it was definitely hard to not get more emotionally attached to the simplicity of that first one. Um, this one was good in terms of, hey, like literally taking the next step. Like, okay, yeah. we've, we've ended the first movie. The next shot is, is going to be step two okay here we go now we're walking out the door
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and I, I thought it was a good next step for the the franchise I definitely want to see more um, yeah I thought it Man. was really I, I thought you could tell the direction and so like you said kind of the tapestry of how he was weaving uh, the shots in and out you could definitely tell his direction had like he, he's getting better mm-hmm. um, I definitely didn't necessarily feel the story was as interesting because all they were really doing was just going from one place to another place to do the same, yeah. thing, exactly just make it louder this time. So the story didn't really change from the first one at all. It was just like a, a little bit on a larger scale that really wasn't as larger as maybe it could have been, but that's okay. Um, overall, I was I was still happy with this one. I think the first one will probably always hold a special place in people's hearts. Yeah. Um, but th- this was a solid next chapter. And I, I just... Um, I remember writing down as, as I, as I was taking some notes on like a napkin, when I was at the movie theater (laughs) at last last four words I wrote were just, thank you, John Kaczynski, because that guy did so much, not just like for, for like making a really good movie that I got to go see in theater again, but that guy did a lot of really nice stuff in the pandemic, you know, of like is some good news network and, you know, just, just being a, just a solid person throughout this whole process. And, uh, yeah, thanks for a good movie, man. It was it yeah.
0: was a lot of fun. I dig that. I mean, I think I thought the movie was... See, like I said, I feel like I can almost not even look at this as a sequel because it's basically just a continuation of their day-to-day lives. So it really is a part yeah. one and part two. I think maybe some yeah, of that's purposeful definitely. where it's just like, you know, we're supposed to be living with this family in their shoes, seeing the day-to-day struggle of existence in this world and i think honestly you know mike mike you sort of just brought up the connection that people had to the first one and it's because unlike a lot of other horror movies i think this horror movie actually is focused on its characters it wants us to really care about this family Mm -hmm. and empathize with their struggles and i think that that's what this movie maybe uh transcends a little bit because the heart of the first one is still very much here you still very much care about this family. Yeah. Uh, I think, Evan, you mentioned the two shots at the end of the two kids uh, killing the the monsters. Uh, and it, that's definitely symbolic of carrying on the legacy of their father because he built the cochlear implant. And it's sort of them using their father, father's efforts to sort of turn the tide. The girl, especially who I think that girl, man, Simmons, Millic- Simmons, she does a fantastic job. Uh, there's a lot of yeah. focus in the first one of her and her dad sort of butting heads. Um, And in this one, there's a lot of focus of her, you know, sort of taking in the traits of her father. That's exemplified through the conversation with Emma at the end about how he tells her you're everything like that. And so the fact that, you know, we get that sort of through line carried through, even though John Krasinski's character, Lee, is dead. uh, I think that that emotional through line really holds up well. And the movie does sort of end abruptly, which makes me think maybe we're going to get a part three, or maybe we're just left to be like okay now they have what they need to turn the tide uh what do you guys think Do you think a third yeah. one's gonna come
2: yeah krasinski wants to do it i think it'll happen yeah
0: I, I think that
1: if it does i think we i think we need if it does we need something different again i i think i agree with champ I, like this was an incredibly well-made movie it it looked great it sounded great we care about the characters. Um, Hold on just a sec. Um, We care about the characters and, um, you know, it's one of those things where we, sorry, my wife just stepped in the room, so I got a bit distracted. Um, So I think, you know, this was, this was really a strong movie. um, And you're right, Jim, it was like just a a continuation of the first and that's a good thing. You know, it could be a good thing. It's really well made, but I think that do we need a third one of that again? I don't know. I think it, it just might maybe like be it, could be, it could be a series or something.
0: Well, maybe, you know? maybe it's just them fighting back, you know, starting to win against them. I yeah, don't know if we maybe. really need to see yeah. that. I mean, personally, I don't need yeah. to see that. But, uh, you know, it might yeah. happen. This one's getting well-received and making a lot of money again. So I give this an eight and a half out of ten. It's my number one movie of the year so far. Uh, only eight, uh, eight movies on that list so far of 2021. Wow. But uh, it's the best one I've seen so far this year. So, uh, Mike, did you give it a grade?
2: Um, Yeah, I give the movie an A minus. I I thought every single uh, scene in it was filled with emotion and the the emotion was earned. Um, It definitely did a good job of taking the story to the next step as well as, you know, the themes, like the original theme was parents trying to protect their kids no matter what. And this is the theme of those kids kind of carrying on like that sense of duty. Um, So I thought it was very good. Uh, Yeah, I gave it an A minus. If we do see a second or a third one, I think an interesting theme would be trying to show how people work together in a crisis. Because in some ways, like the first two movies are essentially kind of the same story. We start out, there's the creatures, there's like, there's kind of a ways to combat them. But then Ben, the movie ends with turning on the volume, the creatures like can feel it and then they shoot them. Like the, the movies have almost the exact same like battle plan plot. But in terms of uh, a third one, I think it would be interesting to see all the survivors now figuring out, okay, here's how we fight these creatures, but can people work together to what actually about, defeat them? What about a
0: time Could jump? People actually... A time there, jump? What do you mean? Yeah, if there was a time jump in the timeline, so we're like five, two years down the road, and we're seeing yeah. how they're, how they've built their society to really actually try and fight the monsters and get a permanent solution. I think that could be interesting. like that,
1: yeah.
2: That could so. be interesting. But I, I, de- I definitely think the next theme is okay. Parents protect their kids. Kids step up to then the plate, and then now, how do kids build? How do kids kids build a society? Mm-hmm. That that would be interesting to see. Yeah. Just because I, I mean, we we we're going through this this time right now, and it's really hard to get people to agree and communicate and and all like. To do this together, and I think if, that would be an uh, interesting thing to explore with the with the third movie if they if they do one.
0: Did you a yeah. grade Evan? Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, I gave it a seven and a half, seven point five. I again, I think I've already <laughs> made the point, but I don't quite think it hit the original for me. But it was still really well made. And when it comes to horror hits and misses, as we've talked about, you know, John Krasinski. I mean, if he's going to put out a third. You know, I'll see it. This was very good in terms of this genre. It was still very good, even though I didn't like it quite as much as the original. So all in all, it was really good. And it's a a fun, most of all, it's a fun theater movie. It reminds us of the power of the theater and how watching a movie in in the theaters, you can't replicate it on the couch at home, especially with a movie like this. I thought it was a really well-timed release to remind people you can't beat the theater with certain movies.
0: Amen. I say that's we a, end that's on a really that. Good point. <laughs> yeah, let's end on that one, uh, Evan. At the at taking us to the church of the cinema. I appreciate it. Uh, that's going to do it for this uh, dark and scary version of the second day film podcast. Uh, Mike, thanks for being a good sport. He's still wearing his a quiet place to hat. It looks fantastic, by the way, buddy. It's a nice, nice look there. I didn't I like get it. a hat. Dang it. Yeah, damn it. Where's my hat? Uh, and anyways, we appreciate <laughs> everyone for. listening listening uh evan mike thanks for being here on a sunday it was a solid recording session i appreciate it you're welcome thanks for having us good to be here all right well that's going to do it for this episode of the second day film podcast check us out online you know where to find us check out our old episodes we appreciate all of you for listening Uh, hopefully there was enough banter to keep you interested if not well guys it was fun talking to you as always so until next time (laughs) thanks for listening Go to the theater, support your theater. And uh, thanks a lot. And we'll see you there. We'll see you at the movies.